Welcome to Back on the Broomstick, a modern witch's spoken word grimoire, where two witchy friends from way back are reconnecting to their pagan roots after a long period of mundanity. We're rewalking the path of the wise and trying out all the latest spells, rituals, and magical theory in today's witchcraft and pagan practices. So grab your wand and your incense, your cauldron and your crystals, and join us as we get Back back on the Broomstick. Hi, and welcome to Back on the Broomstick. On this episode, we're kind of continuing our last episode's conversation where we talked about grounding and centering. So if you haven't heard that one yet, check out our last episode. I believe it's episode 50. Then get back to this one where we're going to be talking about energy work and how to power your spells. Hey, you didn't tell them who you were. Oh, that's right. I'm Layla. And I'm Shell. And I just want to point out, if you go back to our last episode, our last posted episode, it's a little (laughs) different. We're talking about our last regular episode, but Layla, let's just recap our Slarium real quick. I'm fangirling. Oh, yeah. Girling. You cannot bring up our Solarium with Kendra without me getting a big ass grin on my face because she is very cool. And that's all I'm going to say this time. I'm going to play it cool this time. She's she's awesome. I ain't playing it cool. I'm fangirling here like like nobody's business. Like (laughs) I'm fangirling like I just left the Super Bowl and sat next to Taylor Swift. Okay. It was an amazing conversation. I really loved hearing the behind the scenes witchy stuff that she did. I loved hearing all the astrology stuff that I don't know much about, but she obviously does, as well as what she's currently doing, living in Hawaii, kind of getting in touch with herself, doing readings for other people, and really just living this witchy lifestyle vibe, which I'm I'm so into right now. The best part, I think, for me was, I mean, we are admitted survivor fans have been since season one episode one when we'd sit at my damn house on thursday nights at eight o'clock but aside from her association with survivor the reason i loved that interview so much is because she is just a awesome badass genuine extremely witchy talented person and those are the type of people i love And her having been on Survivor is just like the cherry on top. So aside from Survivor, she is one badass witch that I just, I just love her to pieces. And then you put Survivor on it and that's where the fangirl part starts. So we hope that she's doing well. Love you, Kendra. But the episode before that, our last numbered episode, episode 50, on how to ground and center yourself is kind of a prerequisite to this episode where we're going to talk about raising energy. Or maybe the subtitle should be, Shell, why didn't my spell work? Well, we've got a good answer for that. And, you know, we are going to kind of circle back and briefly touch back on the grounding piece again as a reminder. But people do say that we see it on the Internet all the time. People ask us all the time. I followed what was in the book or I followed what was in the video and nothing happened. Well. We talk about intent until we're blue in the face. I swear we mention the word intent in every single episode. But aside from intent, the second most important part of the pieces here is putting the energy into it. And to put energy into something, you have to actually raise energy to have energy to put into it. So we're going to talk about a few ways, and some of them are super fun, by the way, ways to raise energy and to to give your spell that oomph, for lack of a better phrase. Exactly. Why is it something that people either forget or like the unspoken piece of the puzzle? I feel like 
you don't see it as much in newer books that you did in older books. You're not seeing it on TikTok. You're not seeing it on websites that are giving you like the how to's. Or if you do, it just says raise energy. Well, what if you don't know how the hell to do that? You know, you hit on something that I hadn't really realized until you said it. You're right. The older books did talk about raising energy as part of, of spell work and newer books don't as much. And there are some like Psychic Witch by Matt Aron, but we'll talk about that a little bit later that specifically are about raising energy. But you're right. People publish spells with no mention at all of how to raise energy or why the items that they've chosen are part of that energy. Like think back 20 or so years ago when we were reading like Janet and Stuart Farrar books, like they were giving you damn step by step. This is how you raise energy. Step one. And this is what you do with it. Step two. Like, I'm not finding that in books and I'm not downing anybody. I'm not downing any authors, but I feel like it's a piece. It's like, it's like Nickelback, man. So <laughs> it, it like people forget and it's underrated, but super important. Okay. I'm trying to wrap my head around the Nickelback reference, but <laughs> underrated, <laughs> underrated and deserves more praise than it gets. <laughs> Just like raising energy, underrated and deserves more praise than it gets. My guess is when we learned about this, it it was all under Wiccan constructs, Wiccan concepts, and people have very much gotten away from that. So maybe they've moved away from some of what they see as Wiccan. But I don't see I don't see raising energy as Wiccan. I can see maybe how you raise energy could be. Sure. I'm talking more like the concept of creating a circle, casting a circle, a container for that energy. And then what people would call the cone of power. Like you mentioned it when we were talking earlier. Those particular things were part of Wiccan rituals. And so I wonder if when people were trying to get rid of all things Wiccan without even realizing it. Yeah, they threw the the circle and the cone of power out with the Wiccan things. Just like we all threw Nickelback away. See? That's right. That's See? right. Just, just the exact but, same. But if you were going to throw a bunch of stuff away, you know, great. But this wasn't the thing, man. <laughs> no, because we do see a lot of people saying, I followed every step in the spell and it didn't work. And the reason is because you're you're missing the part where you actually raise energy to empower the spell. And we've spoken in previous episodes about how real life energy and everything has a cost. No matter what you want to do in this world, whether mundane or magical, it has some type of cost, whether it's your time, your energy, your attention, your emotions, your soul, (laughs) actual (laughs) money, any of those things, everything has some type of cost and spells are no different. How you pay that, I mean, you can pay with cash, credit card and time, you know, And so in a spell, you can do that too. There's mundane things in the world that you can do to power your spell. You can have crystals and incense and tools that have their own energy that can help power your spell. You can entreat deity or the universe or your ancestors to help you power it. Or you can use your own energy to push into that spell. See, now I kind of look at it as like two different things. I understand like obviously being an herbalist for a couple decades, I get the whole you know, I'm going to make an incense and add that energy to it. But I don't necessarily look at that as I see it as is those herbs or those tools or what have you have an energy that adds to it. But I don't look at those energies as my piece of raising energy for it. 
That's right. You know because it's saying? not enough. Oh yeah. I totally agree. And raising energy. I just want to make sure we're clear. Raising energy and putting energy into things is different than intention. Correct. Your intention can help direct your energy. Your intention is more like the container. It's the statement that you've made. And then you really need Vessel. to kind of, yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, let's talk about what are we, what energy are we talking about? Like, what does this feel like? What are we specifically talking about when we say use energy to power your spells? Geez, I guess I should have had a better answer because now I'm like, how do you explain this to people? Well, your body is is energy. We have like an auric field that's yeah, an yeah. electromagnetic that energy. energy field. Yeah, we have we have magical energy within you. Your emotions are energy. Have you ever like right before you do something really exciting, like maybe go on stage or speak in front of people and you get like those jitters, like those super excited, maybe it's right before your birthday and you get those super excited jitters where your whole body feels like tingling and electric and you have to keep walking around and pacing because you have all this energy. Oh, you mean like right before we did our interview with Survivor 45's Kendra? <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly like that. That's how it feels when you're powering a spell. And you have to create that type of feeling, that sensation in your body, just different extents and different flavors in order to push that energy out to the universe to fill that container of your intention and to power your spell. And, you know, you can pull that energy from within or without, you know, you have that auric energy field, you have, you know, those, those chakra points, you have ways to kind of muster it from within one visual. I'm good with visuals, I guess, was that, remember that ball of energy in the pit of your gut, right behind your belly button and imagine it growing from behind your belly button through your body and then creating this bubble around you. That is a good example of kind of pulling out and creating that energy from within. I like that one too, because starting the ball in your gut is something that's easy for people because that's where we feel those butterflies, you know, that, that excitement builds right behind your belly button, right behind your belly button. It builds at that core at your center. And so that can help people really feel and visualize that energy as it starts to move in their body. And I think when I was a, a newer witch, It was things like having those visualizations, you know, kind of being able to close my eyes and imagine this little white ball of energy, you know, right in right in my core kind of the more you kind of visualize it in your mind. It's almost like you can feel it growing through you. Yes. Just like you can feel that excitement growing right before you're going to interview Kendra from Survivor or open your birthday (laughs) present. I'm still fangirling, by the (laughs) way. Same, same. And that's why that tree meditation that we talked about before, that tree visualization is so important because not only are you grounded and centered when you connect your feet or or your root to the earth, you can also reach down to the center of the earth where that molten energy, that life energy is, and you can tap into the earth's energy that is pure and clean and very, very powerful. And you can pull on that energy to help aid you rather than tire yourself out just by eating up your own energy to charge that center, that ball of light. You know, you can do that not just with with the ground and with the earth itself. You know, we, we had a listener inquire about water magic and ocean magic. You can do the same thing, you know, go down to the beach during high tide safely, by the way, and kind of have that high tide water rushing over you and, and bringing you that energy. That's a, a fabulous way if you're looking to work with with those types of energies 
But again, please be safe. Don't get washed out into the ocean. Well, speaking of that, not too long ago, just a month or so ago, you and I both, without realizing it, on a very windy, wavy day, you went down to the ocean. I went down to the shores of Lake Ontario because the wind was gusting, the waves were crashing, and just standing on the beach, I could feel that energy. The wind is so wild and the waves are so loud and passionate and just you can feel that energy in a storm or or in an experience like that. And you were having the same experience in Massachusetts on the ocean. But it's almost like you can almost, I don't want to say you can kind of suck it in and save it for later, but you can kind of suck in some of that energy um, and, and utilize that. You can, and people store that in jewelry. They'll store it in crystals. They'll store it in water. They'll store it in earth or plants. But when people talk about powering a crystal or powering items, you can take in that energy and direct it into your altar items or into your magical tools to charge and power them and store that, like Shell said, store it for later. For a later date, basically. Yep. Bank it. That's what moon water does. That's when everybody puts moon water out to collect the full moon's water, you're, you're collecting banking energy. You're, you're banking just banking energy. energy. That's right. And so later when you use that in your spell, that has extra power because it has it absorbed the energy from the moon. So you can use a little bit less of your own, you know, or you can just use that in a pinch. In our old community, my favorite memories are of the part of ritual where we would all chant together, where we would yep. sing together, where yep. we would do spiral dances, where we would beat on the earth. Stomp oh my our God. Feet. When was the last time we did a spiral dance? I miss that. And just everyone chanting. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to sing with other people, but when everything goes together beautifully, you can feel that. It's it's like what athletes call being in the flow, or if you've ever you know had a, a hobby or something that you do where you just really get into the zone, you know you can do that with chanting and with magic, and you can just feel that energy flowing around the circle of people. And then we would direct that energy up and into a cone to either honor the season or to power a spell or to send energy to a certain intent to work our will. And then we would release the rest of it to the earth so that we weren't carrying too much, so that we didn't deplete ourselves too much, that we came back to balance. I think that was probably how I originally very first, first learned how to raise energy. And I learned it out of a book, Lori Cabot, Power of the Witch. We've talked about this before. Chanting. Yes. chanting because you know we we do like the dancing and 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 the singing and all of that but not the everybody drumming. Has, not everybody has the opportunity to be with a group right. you can chant all by your damn self and nobody cares if you're tone deaf even if you're with a group nobody cares if you're tone deaf you might fumble the words it don't matter chanting i think is is a good place to start because it's really something everybody can do. And I love chanting. I am a terrible singer. I cannot hold a note if you gave me a basket to put it in, but love it. And it makes everything feel very magical when I do it. And that's why I like simple spells, because if you write your spell very simple and rhyming, you can chant it as you chant it over and over again, you can get more and more intense with it until you can feel that power building and then push that into your spell. And I've actually I've actually done chants where I, I've done it in cycles of three, six or nine, um, depending on my intent, what I'm doing, uh, whatever the case may be. But 
I, I do love chanting, but drumming. Let's talk about drumming to raise uh, energy. Drumming. Oh. My favorite. There is something to be said under the full moon around a bonfire with the drummers going, right? And just bare feet on sand, dancing to the rhythm and everyone either chanting or just shouting and feeling that energy. There's nothing like it. And I am so looking forward to summer right now. Now, for any of you folks that have never been um, exposed to ritual drumming, we are not affiliated with these folks whatsoever, but go check out Dragon Ritual Drummers. They're fabulous. They are so good. And they will give you, if if you've never experienced ritual drumming, these folks will blow your ass away, man. I'll put some links in the show notes. Even simple things like I've sat on the ground and kind of felt like I was mustering it up and then kind of slowly got up on my knees, mustered a little more, and then got almost like I was raising my body as I was raising the energy. That makes sense. Or am I just a weirdo? Makes sense. And I think while you were doing that, you were visualizing, right? You were visualizing the energy coming up from the earth into your body as it touched the ground and pulling that just like a tree pulls, pulls nutrients up into yourself and just visualize that. And you could chant. It can be something as simple as earth, air, fire, water, and just chant that over and over again, or deity names, or just chant your simple spell that you wrote or the spell you found. Find lyrics to a song that you like and play the song and sing the song. I know there's a song that you can belt out the lyrics to that really gets you riled up. I know there is. That's a way to pull energy. Not to give out some random shout outs here, but if you've never been experienced or or been witness to chanting and have only read it in a book and are kind of like, I've never heard, you know, which is chant. I don't know. Check out Selena Fox, all of her socials. She has plenty of videos where she, she does a lot of awesome chanting. I love her. So yeah, Selena Fox, she, she's like the chanting goddess of the world right now. I think I love her. And there's also breathing, just using your breath can be a really great way to raise energy as well. Getting into a meditative state and paying attention to your breath and just going with that can be a great way to raise that energy, just pulling that energy in with each inhalation. All right, Layla, we're going there. Okay. So another fun way to raise energy, wait for it, is sex. Okay. We're going X-rated here. (laughs) yeah honestly anything that you do where you break a sweat where your heart gets pumping that's a that's energy you've just raised and sex honestly well i guess if it doesn't get your heart pumping maybe you're doing it wrong (laughs) so anything that gets your heart racing really is great way to raise energy and sex is a phenomenal way just be really cautious because if you're using it to raise energy with a partner who doesn't know what you're doing you can create ties with that person that you might not intend. Now, for those, they get what we're saying, but they don't get what, what we're saying. Let's explain this for real quick without being too risque. People might be asking, especially some newer, newer folks um, to this whole life, what do they mean raising energy with sex? How do you do that? Well, kind of like, think of it like, If you were drumming or chanting, you know, that whole starting out slow and getting getting faster. And then before you know it, the fireworks and the energies out there. That's a nice way to explain it, right? Yeah, that sounds good. 
we might have under 18 listeners. I don't want to be too <laughs> vulgar. There you go. Anything that raises that raises your blood pressure, anything that gets you breathing heavy, that's a good type of energy to raise. I promise you the other day when I walked to work, I was not raised in energy. Okay. <laughs> I don't care what you say. <laughs> well, you know, I guess it depends on how fast you're walking, but you could have used that energy for a magical working or it could have just powered your walk to work. People might have their other ways that they do it. And, and just because it might not be something we've mentioned doesn't mean that's not a way to do it or that's a wrong way. Whatever works for you, man, however you think you can get that, would you call it butterfly feeling in your stomach? That, yeah, that that excited. However, yeah, however you get that way, roll with it. There's another way that I really like. This is a way that I taught a lot of people how to feel energy. And, and it's a really good meditation, simple exercise that you can do to help you learn how to raise energy, feel energy, and direct that energy. Tell us um, a great one. <laughs> uh, I don't know how great it is. I thought it was so original and cool. And then I found out like everybody does this, but I have a good way to explain it that I think makes it a little easier. So sit someplace comfortably. Make sure that you're in a cleansed sacred space, whether you choose to cast a circle or not. Um, I do like casting a, a circle, a safety bubble around you when you're working with energy just because it helps to contain that energy in one space. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah and that, you know, if you're raising that energy into a space, it makes it easier to direct it. So sit comfortably in your circle, get into a meditative space. However you do that with your breath work, with a meditation that you like, but get into an alpha state and then take in a couple deep breaths, do your grounding techniques and visualize energy coming into your body in through your root chakra, in through your crown chakra, and down into your arms, and then direct that energy down your arms into the palms of your hands. And just focus on that and keep thinking about that visualization. And while you do that, you should start to feel a warmth, a tingling in the center of your palms. And once you reach that point where the center of your palms feel very warm, feel very tingly, place them in front of you, palm to palm, about six inches apart. And then I want you to visualize, have you ever in a bubble bath shell picked up like a big scoop of bubbles and played with them between your hands? I have because I'm, I'm, I'm juvenile like that. Yeah. <laughs> Same. So imagine that you have just picked up the thickest, foamiest, most wonderful smelling scoop of bubble bath bubbles ever in between your hands, about six inches thick and move your hands back and forth just a couple inches at a time you know, back and forth really fast, just like you're kind of playing with those soap bubbles. And you can feel the energy, the air between your hands will be thicker. It'll feel, you can feel that energy and your palms will get very warm, very tingly, and you can feel that energy. So play with that, push more energy into it, pull energy out of it, work with it until you can really get a good ball of energy. And then work on making that energy feel a certain way, make it feel happy, make it feel calm. And then once you've done that, take your hands, run them over your head, down your body, and push that energy back into yourself, that calm, happy energy, whatever you've created it, and then back into the earth and ground yourself. And that's a good exercise to do and to practice so that you can learn to not just sense the energy, but focus it in an area, flavor it, for lack of a better word, to whatever you need it to be to power your spell, and then use it 
you know, in this case to put back into yourself, to give yourself that energy and then ground and center yourself so that you're back to an equilibrium. So that's a good exercise. You know, it it is a good exercise, but kind of a funny side comment. It was doing that exercise over and over and over way back when that actually got both my ex-husband and I into Reiki. It was literally because of that one exercise that we we ended up getting into Reiki, which is a different conversation, but still like an energy working thing. But that one thing was the catalyst. I'm so glad you mentioned Reiki because there are a lot of different um, modalities. There's a lot of different cultures where people talk about the energy of yourself, your body having energy centers and using and manipulating that energy. It's, it's a very common thing. You know, people who, who hear about, you know, your chakras and doing chakra work, I know you got a blocked one or you got clear ones. The concept of, of your, your chakras is if they're all clear, that energy is freely flowing through you and around you. Um, and those blocked chakras can kind of block that energy from that free flow. So this is all really intertwined, honestly. Yes. And as you're doing these exercises, if you do that soap bubble meditation where you're pulling energy in through your root chakra, through your crown, through your hands or through your feet, you'll start to feel blockages. As you start to move this energy and practice moving this energy through your body, you'll be able to start to feel where it stops or it gets stagnant or it hangs up on something. And that's when you know you have to work on visualizing cleansing or clearing that energy space. And, you know, kind of a side a side note to that is if you are having a hard time kind of creating that energy within you to project out for whatever your your reason, maybe you need to take a look at your inner energy to see if there's some blockages that are stopping you from mustering that energy from within for your spell or your ritual or what have you. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really like smoke cleanses, water cleanses, you know, going out in the earth, you know, grounding, literally putting your feet on the ground can really help you to clear your your auric energy, to clear your energy body so that you can better move energy for your spell work. And you just feel more centered and, and calmer once you start to work with those energy centers in your body and start to cleanse them and get them moving freely. I used to love smoke cleanses until that one time I singed my hair. (laughs) A little too close with a smudge stick. A little too close. But like we were talking about earlier, you can also, you know, maybe if just moving the energy on your own doesn't work for you, grab a crystal. Maybe there's crystals that really feel vibrating or zingy or, you know, like they have an energy and hold that. Maybe you have a magical tool that you feel like has good energy or just um, a particular object. You know, we we had this conversation recently when we were physically together. Keys. I have put energy into keys before. And it doesn't have to be uh altar tool per se. You know, I do have keys on my altar, but I kind of use those as energy holders for specific magic, like doing stuff with Hikate. So it doesn't have to necessarily be a tool. It can just be a thing. Actually, one of the very first times I had a a very strong energy experience was I didn't meet any other witches until like the early 90s when I first went to Salem, Massachusetts. And I met some high priestesses there, particularly um, a woman and her husband, uh, Kate and Frank. They were high priestess and high priest of a coven. And I 
got to work with them a little bit after meeting them in Salem, which was very cool because I had never had any type of real interaction. Everything I learned came from books or what I could scrounge at what passed for the internet at the time. And she did this thing where what she called a stoning and she put me into a meditative state and then would give me different crystals and have me just kind of do a meditation with that crystal and really feel the energy of the crystal itself. And I had a very powerful vision. She put a piece of um, bloodstone in my hand and I had my eyes closed. I didn't know what type of crystal she'd put in my hand. And I immediately had this powerful vision of running barefoot through the woods. It's this whole powerful vision around this crystal. And I could really feel the energy of it and very much attuned. I do. You would. But that was the first time I had felt the energy of an object that clearly and that strongly. So sometimes you'll have an object like that that can really help you to feel the energy. And that can help you to fuel or power all sorts of spells. I've got two comments to that. First of all, are you literally telling us a story about how you went to Salem, Massachusetts and got stoned? Ha yes. ha. Had to put that in there. <laughs> and second of all, you know, there's there's a lot of folks that were raised in a Christian atmosphere. And I equate this to the rosary or the crucifix or what have you. A lot of a lot of Christians put energy into, you know, when they're doing <laughs> I have no frame of reference with this. You know, they have the the one with all the beads on it and they pray mm-hmm. on all the beads around the, the crucifix. That's basically what they're doing. They're putting energy into those beads and energy into that crucifix for whatever they're praying for at the time. Same thing. Same damn thing. They're putting energy into an object just like I put it into a key or you put it into a stone. Yeah. And so that energy can then be used later when you have that on your altar, you'll have these cleansed charged items that you can use for your ritual or your spell work. But it all begins with learning to ground, learning to center and learning to manipulate and move energy through yourself or into objects or to power your spell. But if you're having trouble with your spell work, that's probably the missing component. But then, you know, the equally important piece is So you raise all this energy, you project it out to the universe for whatever your intent is. Now what? Now, we talked last time about how I had done some ritual work and did not ground afterwards and was a wreck. We need to just reiterate the you raise energy, you need to ground after. Like It isn't just you raise it and you put it out there and you walk away you're, you're going to get a universal slap for that. It's what all I can call it is like a magical hangover. Is that a good way to describe it? Like a magical hangover. It's an excellent way to describe it because you, you feel sick. You might feel physically hung over. You might have a headache. You'll feel a little spacey. People feel it in different ways, but you definitely feel something is off. In like a regular hangover, the older you get, the harder it hurts. <laughs> Just saying. But- you want to ground and center at the beginning, you want to ground and center at the end so that you are back to an equilibrium. You are back to feeling comfortable and secure in your own body. And so one way to do that after you've, you know, visualized the grounding and centering is to eat something or to go for a short walk or something like that. Kiss your significant other, something that gets you back into your body just even if even if it's just stand in the dirt barefoot and just visualize all the excess energy 
draining down your body and right out of your feet into the earth. That just made me think of one of the other exercises that I was taught is to, as you're standing there, um, pull the energy in up one, like into your left foot and up the left side of your body and then down the right side of your body and out and see if you can visualize the energy moving through you that way as a circle. And then see if you can reverse it and see where it feels sluggish, where it feels strange and practice doing that to see if you can cycle energy through you that way. As important it is to raise it, it's equally important to then ground the excess. Yep. Make sure that you get back into that state of equilibrium, that state of balance where you don't have any extra and you don't have any less. And what you do have has left you refreshed, energized, cleansed, and stable. People always say, why is there always like bread and cakes at, at rituals? Here's why, friends. This is why there's carbs up the yin-yang. <laughs> cakes and ale, one of my favorite parts. So yeah, cakes and ale is what that part of a ritual is called. Particularly if you're old school or Wiccan, uh, you'll have cakes and ale at the end. And it's a great way, like Shell said, to get you back into your body. And we very often had a lot of grounding things, maybe before spell or ritual. Maybe you don't want to eat things that are so heavy in the belly. Maybe you just want vegetables or broth or fruits or lighter things, again, because you don't want to be in your body so much. You want to be working in the in the ethereal, in your energetic body. But then when you're ready to get back into your body, you need those heavy carbs. Things. Give me the carbs. Give me the bread. Give me the cheeses. Give me all the good mac and cheese and the good food. Ooh, yum. Actually, one thing that the coven I'm in currently, what they do is we actually have like a legit full on dinner after yeah. ritual. Yes, my coven here does that as well. Usually after ritual, we will then sit down to either a partial meal or a full meal for the same reason. They don't call it cakes and ale. We're just used to calling it that. But Wiccan yeah. DNA can't help it. It is, it is. <laughs> but it's it's a fun, not only does it help you get back into your body and it's, you know, who doesn't love carbs, but it also, it's there's a social aspect of it as well. So if you're lucky enough to be with other people, that really helps to bring the circle together too. But I also look at it as a good way to kind of know your role for lack of a better term. Like, you know how when you go to work, the minute you walk in the door at work, you're now in work mode and you're in work mode until you walk out the door at five o'clock. Kind of the same thing. When you're raising energy, you're getting into magic mode. And when you're grounding the energy afterwards, you're getting ready to kind of go back into mundane world. It can be difficult and stressful to try to be riding both of those realities at the same time, as you know. It's kind of like, the raising is getting you there and the grounding is getting you out. Yeah, I love that. That's a great way to look at it. And if you're solo, if you're a solo practitioner, you can still have cakes and ale at the end. You know, have a snack set aside before you do your spell work. You know, if you're like Shell and you're just whipping off a little spell off the top of your head to get a good parking spot when you're going downtown, you don't necessarily need to do a full on dance around a bonfire, stomp your feet and chant for half an hour to raise the energy. Just to get a parking spot. That's right. You can just use the energy of your frustration or your anger. Use that energy, feel it in a ball, like Shell said, in your belly, and then throw that with your spell. That's what Shell does when she's whipping her base home around over her head and casting spells from the hip. It You use the energy of yourself, of your emotions. I promise you, if I have to resort to the itchy asshole spell, <laughs> there ain't no formality to it. That's right. But if you maybe you have a bigger working, maybe you're 
somebody who needs to curse the moon or I don't know, maybe you need to move. Maybe you need, maybe you're looking for something bigger in your life and you really need to put a lot of energy in the spell. You're going to spend more time raising that energy and powering the spell. If it's a little spell. Maybe, you know, just a little chant or maybe just the candle that you charged on the full moon last month will be enough. Now I do, I, I put energy, you know, we talked about putting energy into things. I actually put energy into my tarot, especially if I am using that particular deck for me and me alone. Oh, yes. I was going to say that exact same thing. Yeah. But, you know, when we have done tarot professionally, we're really asking them to do the same thing. Here, take my deck, shuffle the cards, put your energy into it, and let's see where, you know, where do the cards fall? It's really the same thing, you know. There ain't no formality to it. We're just saying shuffle these cards and put your energy into it. That is a form of raising energy to help the cards help us to tell you what your message is. Exact same concept. And obviously we don't ground our cards after, but for, for but public do. use, I don't know if you call it grounding. I mean, I cleansed after. Exactly. You-, you let all these people, you know, especially like remember when we used to go to the colleges and, you know, maybe do 200 reads in four hours. We weren't cleansing in between people. But let me tell you, like I was doing some hardcore exorcisms on my tarots after those sessions because I had like 80 people putting their energy into my deck. I was cleansing between people. That was one of the best practices I ever had. That was like for... rapid fire tarot reading, by the way. Yeah. But for moving energy, that that's a really good point because especially when I read for other people, I start out with my cards. I talk to them. I give them a little charge. I hand it to the person so that they can put their energy into it. And then when I'm done, I shuffle and cleanse the cards before I hand them to the next person. And so, like you said, when we were doing some of these bigger um, promotional things or these bigger workshops, it was very fast, rapid fire, put energy into the cards, cleanse that energy, put energy into the cards, cleanse that energy. And you're right. I didn't exactly ground my cards at the end, but I would do a very heavy duty cleansing and centering of the cards themselves before I then wrapped them or put them in their case. Yeah, no, I was taking them home. I was, you know, saging them freaking motherfuckers. I was making special incense recipes to to cleanse them down to the, the bare basics again. Like, I might as well have given them a bath. <laughs> and that's all part of the cleansing portion of this is you use that energy to cleanse yourself, to get to a centered, balanced state. And you do use the grounding, the cleansing, and the centering to get there. Raise your energy however you're going to raise it whether it's through chanting or dance, singing or sex, whether you're using visualization to push that energy and to make it grow like a flower or a cone or a tornado. Or if you're using energized tools that you're taking the energy from that tool and then projecting it out for your use. Exactly. And it's the same thing that we're doing with the cards. You know, you center them, cleanse them, and then charge them so that they're ready for the next reading, whether it's for yourself. And I totally agree. Actually, I charge decks that I use for myself and personal divination differently than I cleanse and ready decks. And I didn't think about that until just now, but I totally do. Well, I actually, at the time I loved, and I still love this deck. Actually, someone asked me the other day, what deck do you love the most? The Witch's Tarot, Ellen Cannon Reed, just saying. I loved that deck so much. I wanted to use it personally and publicly. I ended up buying two decks because I don't like to read myself 
with a deck that I read for other people. Nobody could see me doing it, but as soon as you said you were trying to use that deck personally, I'm like shaking my head no. When you said personally and publicly, I was like, no, don't do that. Yeah, no, I bought the same deck. So I had two of the same deck and one of them was for me and one of them was for public readings. Because they have very different feeling. It's a very different feeling. And I've spoken before about my love for Phyllis Curat's deck, the Witch's Wisdom Tarot, but that's very much a personal deck. Right. That's not something I, I mean, I would read you, but I wouldn't really read other people with that deck. That's like a You would never thing. do a, a paid public reading. No, 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 no. It's too, too personal, much too personal. But I have lots of other decks that I love to read other people with. They're, they're energized for that. They have a really good feeling for that. And that's something, I guess that's the last part of learning to move, raise, and manipulate energy is learning to feel energy. You know, when you walk into a metaphysical shop and something catches your eye and you can just feel the energy or feel like it belongs to you or, you know, something like that. We can't teach you what that feeling is though, because it's, I think it's different for everyone out for everyone. You know, it, that's like the one piece of this that we can't tell you. Yeah. It's that, you know, we kind of talked about how it feels like, like that frisson of energy, like that excitement, the butterflies, the, the soap bubbles between your hands or the heat, the tingles on your palms. You know, we've talked about that type of raising energy in your body, like energetic energy, like when you're running or walking to work or dancing around a bonfire, that energy, that actual physical energy is is how it feels like. But in an object, it's hard to describe, but you can kind yeah, of feel yeah. that same energy coming off of the object. It's like emanating it almost almost like it's that object's aura and you're feeling almost that object's aura. Yeah, like when um, in our other podcast, The Stoned Witches Hour, we talked about cursed objects or people finding a doll or a mirror or something that just has a bad vibe. You're feeling the energy of that object. Like the voodoo doll on the Brady Bunch episode. (laughs) I don't remember that, but yes, exactly. (laughs) Whatever. But you can practice feeling that energy. If you you go to an antique store, you can kind of just go through and see if you can feel a vibe or feel energy from different things. But it's especially great if you have a witchy friend or an energy worker friend where you can each push energy into an object. Say I go over to Shell's house and she hands me a key and I can hold that key, meditate with it, work with the energy with it and try to feel if she has pushed energy into that key to be angry energy or happy energy or calming energy and see if I can sense that. And do that back and forth and do that exercise until you can really get a distinct feel for different types of energy on objects or in places. Or even, you might even be able to sense someone else's spell to sense wards that they have put up somewhere. But unless you practice it, it's very difficult to notice or to describe. Yeah. Like I said, there's some things that, that, I don't know, we just can't explain. And this is kind of one of them. And some people are going to pick up on it very quickly. And for some people, it's going to take more practice. Don't be discouraged. Everyone can do this. It's like baseball. Everyone can play baseball. Some are naturally good at it. Some need practice. It's kind of like the people that they'll walk in a room and be like, all right, bad vibes. This pl- I, I, I can't be here. I need to get out. Because you're feeling other people's bullshit energy and it's not where you're at and you want to bolt. Or you walk into a room and are like, oh, my God, I love the energy here. This is so great. Same thing. You're just feeling others' energy. And if you can feel those energies, those vibes in a room or a place, work on that. Practice that. Try to hone that. 
journal it. You know me in journals. Write it down. <laughs> you freaking love journaling. I do. But write down where you were, how you felt, what it was, what the energy was, and see if you can duplicate that and keep track of it. But once you've done all the lessons on how to ground, center, cleanse, move, and manipulate energy, the last piece is to start to try and feel it and to sense it other places. You know, I think really kind of the moral of the story is there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle to kind of make your spell work or make your ritual work. And this is one of them. And it's an it's important a big one. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is definitely something that you want to work on. And you can actually do this as a ritual in and of itself. You know, raise the energy, put it out there, ground it and be done and kind of make it its own ritual. You know, hell, you could put energy out there for good weather or, you know, energy out there for world peace, whatever, and have it be its own ritual, so to say. Yeah, that, that's why I like the soap bubble or the energy ball at your core meditation or ritual or spell work, if you want to call it that. But that practice, that meditation, the idea of raising that energy, shaping it into a ball and then giving it an energy that can help you of calmness, relaxation, energize, uh, love, self-love, whatever energy you want, and then pushing it back down over your body and then recentering is a really great, it's more inward, I guess, and less outward. So if you just keep practicing that and pay attention to your breath, you know, work on grounding, do that tree meditation that Shell talked about where you put your roots down into the ground and reach your branches up to the starlight, my you know, favorite you one. Yeah. Love that. You know, and then you get that push and pull of that diamond energy from the center of the earth and the starlight energy. And, and once you've practiced that and done that over and over and over again, that's when your spell work is really going to start hitting. That's when things are really going to start moving for you. But it does take practice. And I know we don't all love that. <laughs> but, you know, on the flip side, like everything else, you know, do it 21 times and it's a habit. You do this over and over and then it's like it's like second nature it's second hand like when i do it i don't even think about it it's just kind of a part of the process it's just second nature and we had a coven mate that when we would start talking about magical things he would say oh my hands are on because oh my god yep he could feel that energy start to build in his palms and i know i've said it too since then you know, you can feel that energy. You like, said it today. What the hell are you talking I about? I did. As soon as we started talking about this, I felt it happen. But just like Shell said, because it becomes a habit, once you do it over and over again, it becomes second nature. And that's why we can whip off those parking spot spells at the drop of a hat or hopefully not the itchy asshole spell, but, you know, if but, needed. But, you know, the funny thing about that and that person was able to do that a lot better and a lot quicker at the time than I was. And it annoyed me because he would just literally like a freaking light switch. Okay, let me turn on my hands. Like what? And it took me a lot longer than it did him to be able to be in that same place. But it is kind of like a light switch. You know, you can kind of turn it on and then be done and ground it and turn it off. He had a natural talent. And so it was very easy for him to do that. You worked your ass off and now you're better than him. Well, yeah. But like I said, you know, that type of thing is is kind of what led me down the Reiki master path, because it's it's the same thing. You know, you're mustering this energy throughout you and directing it out your hands to, you know, do healing work or chakra cleansing or whatever the case may be. 
it was really, it really went hand in hand with Reiki. Because it's the same type of energy manipulation. So that's something that if you wanted to get a, a Reiki certification, you would definitely get a lot of practice in manipulating and moving energy. Right. That's kind of the basis of what Reiki is. Yeah. And going through those attunements. But if you practice these things, these meditations on your own, you know, you don't necessarily need the Reiki attunement in order to be able to do these. Right. Just, right. you know, you certainly could a lot easier, I think, once you I'm practice I'm just saying for energy. me that, that that type of energy work is what led me down that path. Once you start moving energy like that, the sky's the limit. You know, your spells do work better. Your manifestations do happen faster. You know, it, it works better once you're able to push the energy into the spell to power it. Do you remember when uh, way back when my kids were little, we used to have our my kids do that? have them kind of create that energy ball and play with it. And, mm -hmm. and you know, my kids were significantly young at the time and they were just amazed because they could feel it. And they were like, whoa. And we'd be like, it's magic. <laughs> it, it, yeah. But it was just something fun we would do with the kids to get them to kind of visualize that energy ball. Mm -hmm. And it's something very easy to do. You know, when you're sitting and meditating, pay attention to your breaths work on that energy ball. It's so easy to pull into your center because that's where the butterflies sit. So pull them there. And it's also easy to pull in your palms. You'll be surprised at how easy it is to feel that energy once you put your hands together and start squishing that, squishing the invisible soap bubbles. Just don't throw that ball at people, please. Yeah, that's rude. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, so before we end our show today, I just wanted to say a very quick announcement. We now have a YouTube channel. So if you wanted to what? listen, we're on YouTube now. Yeah. If you want to listen to us on your TV, you can. We don't have any videos up yet, but I'm not guaranteeing that we won't have videos in the near future. Oh, Lord, it's coming, people. <laughs> At Back on the Broomstick, pretty much everywhere Instagram, Facebook, and now YouTube. So, you know, give us a look see over on YouTube. Whether we're on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, give us some likes, give us some comments. We love these comments. We've been getting some badass comments lately, and we thank you all for that. Check us out on the socials. Email us at backonthebroomstick at gmail.com. Check out our website, backonthebroomstick.com. And you know what? Thanks for listening today, folks. Stay wise, stay wicked. And keep it witchy.